welcome back to the End of the Round podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Mike Breslin. Hello. And David Harris. Hello. How are you both? You all right? Very well. Very good. Just back from breaking Nuki, so I'm chilling. I'm all right. I tell you, you've gone on holiday a lot. And I'm trying my best, the old staycations. Just today they've announced that uh, COVID numbers are on the rise, Breslin. Is that to do with you? Have you bought it from the Wuhan pool party? <laughs> but it's, I've potentially been a spreader this whole time. <laughs> I heard that about you. Dave, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Uh, just had a weekend in London, which was pretty nice. Not quite as, you know, I'm not globetrotting like Breslin over there, but it's still nice to, to no, get away. No. I mean, probably in the, the hot spot for COVID, but there we are. I'm going next <laughs> So uh, we'll do it a bit as a pod. <laughs> Speaking of next week, the Premier League starts after what feels like the shortest break in the world. Like, honestly, honestly it, yeah, it's great, segue. wasn't it? Great, wasn't it? Um, but I don't know about the two of you. I, I genuinely feel like in the past, football has felt like it's been ages since it's come back. But I feel like it hasn't stopped. It just, I don't know if I'm ready for another Premier League season. Is what I would have been saying if I wasn't a Chelsea fan, because let me tell you now, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm more happy about. Ben Shearwell signed. I don't have to watch Emerson play again. And today, they're announcing a new keeper, apparently. I might not have to watch Kepa play outside of the cup games. It's a very exciting time. But what are we doing this week? Well, we're going to try and predict the very exciting Premier League. We're going to try and predict every position in the league, which is going to be quite the task. Um, yeah. Where are we predicting Everton to finish? There'll be some disagreements on that. Um, but let's start with the bottom, because that feels like a good place to start. Um, all three of us have this team in the um, in the bottom three, lads, in mm-hmm. our initial ones. Um, it's Fulham. We think Fulham are going to finish 20th. Now I'm slightly biased here. Dave, do you want to explain to me why you think Fulham are going to get relegated? I think when you look at managers, uh, it's a big one for me. West Brom have Bilic, Leeds have Bielsa, who is obviously the best of the three managers that have come up. Scott Parker wasn't massively convinced in the championship. He got them playing okay football, but when you have a player like Mitrovic, I feel most people could probably manage him to score 20 goals a season in the championship. Didn't really show anything exceptional from that team. Um, And I think Looking at their recruitment they've done, given that the league starts literally next week, it's not not really anything sticking out that looks looks particularly great business. Um, and they've also got players that are still trying to get rid of that would probably be better than what they've got. So it's quite quite strange. Yeah, um, Mike, how do you feel about this one? Uh, yeah, I think. I think Dave probably hit it on the head, really. They haven't added too much. Obviously, we all remember last time they came up, they, they spent a fortune and it's... Uh, Christ, yeah. It really backfired. They haven't really done that this time. Bought in Robinson from Wigan for a couple of million. Bought Knockout back after his loan spell, I think, last year. And then Lamina in from Southampton. So, yeah, not, not too much going on there. Like Dave, I'm not overly convinced of Scott Parker yet. He's obviously just signed a three-year deal, so we'll see how long that actually lasts for. Knowing uh, Fulham about three months, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I'm not overly positive about their chances staying up, to be honest. No, this reeks of Norwich to me, to be honest. Um, 
think they're probably going to come up, try and play an attractive style and just get absolutely whacked. I mean, they'd probably stand a good chance of scoring goals with Mitrovic, but are they just uh, an unproven manager? And to be honest, I know they've got Lamina in, you probably were like, well, that's a, that's a name, but I was never convinced by him. Um, no, he wasn't great at Southampton. I just I just think they're they're going down. I just can't see any real way in which they'd stay up. Um, at number nineteen um, is West Brom. Savin Billich's West Brom. Now, Dave, do you want to explain to us why you think we're being slightly harsh to uh, West Brom? I think. Well, we I think we said this when we covered the end of last season. Still, a lot of bad teams in the league that managed to stay up. And to be honest with West Brom, even when you compare them to a team like Fulham, I think they're in a much, much better position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bilic, yeah, he's not really set the Premier League alight, but he's got a decent amount of Premier League experience, um, which I think is handy for any team coming up. They play pretty good football. I don't know what the hell happened to their defence in the second half of the season last year. But they play decent enough football and they have some pretty decent players. Uh, getting Ma- Matheus Pereira on a permanent is, is pretty huge for them. Same with Grady, Diangana. Um, so I think they could be up against it, but I'd back Bilic as a coach to get the best out of those players. Mike, am I being mad? Bilic didn't get the best out of them last year. Yeah, I know. Or, <laughs> or has Dave got a far higher opinion of Bilic than his West Ham stint sort of suggests he should have? Uh, yeah, that may well be true. It's probably the hangover from the Croatia days. <laughs> we, we still, I, to be fair, I still kind of rate him a little bit, but uh, they. Yeah, I guess they they were definitely the second best team in the in the championship. They did deserve to go up probably in the end. Mm-hmm. Just about over Brentford. My worry with West Brom and why I have them going down really is their is their defence and probably the centre of the park. Mm-hmm. They they're still playing Livermore pretty regularly, which concerns me is lack of legs. Mm. However, I do think they're gonna score a lot of goals and be fairly decent to watch. As Dave said, Pereira, Diangana, um, Grisicki, Sawyers as well. Sawyers is good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good, pretty solid players. I, I think they'll they'll be able to make a decent leap to the Premier League. So um, for, for the listeners, um, me and Mike both, we all did our individual tables and me and Mike had um, West Brom at 19th and we, Dave actually had them at 16th, I think, Dave, you had them? Yeah, 16th. 16th. Um, so the reason I'm pretty much the same as you, Brez, in terms of why I had them to go down is, um, I think we've seen time and time again the two things you've got to be able to—it's two things you've got to be able to do in football, particularly down the bottom of the table—is you've got to be able to keep goals out, and you've got to be able to score enough to beat the teams around you. I'm confident they can score enough to beat the teams around them, but when I look at the teams around them, I think they've probably got—I've got more questions about their defence and their midfield, and maybe that's from unfamiliarity with them but I've just got questions and there's too many questions whereas I look at a team who I think are probably going to be near them in Newcastle and I think they've got a seasoned manager and they've probably got a better defence even if they're not so attractive on the eye and I just I just think we've seen it go wrong with Billich before and I think we'll probably see it go wrong again 
Now, number 18. Dave is in his blue stop, ladies and gentlemen, right now <laughs> on this call. So I'm going to let him take this one away. Who have we got at 18, Dave? Villa. Why are the Villa going down, Dave? Why are they going down? Well, last season was abysmal. I can't believe they stayed up. <laughs> They've held on to Grealish, which, you know, has probably swayed us into not putting them 20th. Um, yep. Have they have they signed oh yeah, Matty Cash. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna propel them to like twelve extra points they need from a goal scorer that's missing. Uh so yeah. Waste of time. Waste of time. <laughs> what what are they doing? The the problems in the team has screamed at them all season. They need a centre back or two, a striker, someone to help Grealish in midfield, i.e. a winger that isn't a donkey like Al Ghazi. Or Trezeguet, who turns up to about five games a season. And the rest, he just stares at pictures of Mo Salah saying, I get to play on the wing opposite him for my national team. Uh, <laughs> God, sorry, Trezeguet. I don't even dislike him, really. <laughs> it's more El Ghazi I have a problem with. I'm, I'm um, gonna... <laughs> wow. Well, I Incredible. actually had Villa staying up just... Yeah, right, we'll come to you in a minute because I want to take my moment to absolutely to just tell you that the Villa last year were one of the worst teams I've seen play in the Premier League. They didn't have a they didn't have a clue of what they were doing. They were bad in midfield. They didn't know when to press, when to sit. They had, I mean, Samata. I mean, he looked fine, but he didn't look like he was going to score you any goals. Wesley looked terrible, and like Dave said, they really did miss a consistent goal scorer, and they haven't addressed that. And my worry with Matty Cash is he's a converted winger into yeah. a fullback that's going to work it in the going to work in the championship. But is it going to work when he's coming up against? I mean, Salah. not even Salah players like Trossard for Brighton. Who are the team they've he's got to beat? Like I just I don't think it's going to work. They like Dave says if they needed someone they needed someone centrally. Although I I I did think concert looked better at right back last year but I wondered whether he can move central because he looked like he was playing out of position but I just I haven't a clue I mean the only reason I haven't got them 20th is because they've still got Jack Grealish but that's That's the only reason only reason they've still got Grealish and I I think McGinn's going to be fit so assuming both of those two things they've got they've got a better chance I think Douglas Louise post lockdown turned into yeah it was quite good quite a nice little player but it doesn't it doesn't matter when you can't score goals and you can't keep them out yeah that is yeah. true I, I they're, they're going to be down there again whether they stay up or not we think they're going down between the three of us genuinely I'd like them to stay up yeah me too I just don't see it so speaking of a team that I would like to see go down at number 17 <laughs> we've got West Ham Mike Talk to me about West Ham. Why have we got them so low? They're just... I mean, the only person they've brought in is Suchek, who admittedly did have quite a good season last year. But that's pretty much it. They've lost a few experienced players. Um, Not really anything first-team-wise, though. Again, pretty rubbish last year. All round. Um, For some reason, it it just never works at West Ham, and I just see that continuing. No, because on paper they've got 
I'm, you look at some of the names in the squad and you think, mm. oh, you think Declan Rice is a tiny footballer. You think Felipe Anderson's um, a good player. Haller was a good player. Um, Yarmolenko. Yes, Yarmolenko, Lanzini. Say what you want about um, uh, Antonio, but he scores goals um, when he's needed. But, and they've got a proven manager, but they just... You know what's going to happen? They're going to win a few games and then by mid-March they'll be in a relegation battle and Mark Noble will be playing the number 10. Wait, actually, talking to Mark Noble, did anyone see his tweet about them letting Dean Garner go? Yeah. And Rice liked the tweet as well. He was not happy about that. So, I don't. if, if Noble's not happy, that's not going to be a good situation at West Ham. Dave, what you've probably seen Grady play a bit more than me, certainly, maybe Mark too. Why is this... Such a big deal for letting him go. Yeah, um, just like to clarify, when we discussed this in the WhatsApp when it happened, I've come much more round on the transfer as a whole being a good deal. I didn't realise the fee and stuff involved. He fits he fits West Brom's style of play, but the thing with West Ham is last season they had a pretty distinguished lack of pace. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't like players like Snodgrass, Yarmolenko, good with their feet, but they're not very quick. So, Felipe Anderson's maybe their one proper quick player, you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Diane Garner proved himself in the championship. Pretty, still pretty young, like 22. Mm-hmm. He's exciting going forward, playing with a lot of confidence, pacey, good on the ball, decent amount of goals, decent amount of assists. <clears throat> when a player like that proves himself in the championship, when it's a team like West Ham, you'd expect him to... You know, he's sort of earned his chance to have a, at least have a chance to break into their first team. Yeah. Uh, and what the reason Noble's so angry is in their first two pre-seasons, sorry, two pre-season friendlies, Moyes had started him in both games. So clearly he was part of Moyes' plans. So it, it looks like the board have taken a financial decision, which... It doesn't really fit with Moyes or the players and because clearly they wanted him to be part of that team this year. Well, the link uh, with Ben Rama, why why would you take the money for Dean Garner and then go and buy Ben Rama? And, yeah, just lastly with West Ham, they sort of one of those teams that it feels like employees' names that aren't the footballers they were to yeah. get their name. Like Jack Wilshire, Talk as much as he's been unlucky with injuries, uh, you know... The player they even signed after he'd actually done okay at Arsenal, he's he's hardly played, um, and just just sort of a bit of nothingness. Like they do have some good players, like you say, like Rice. I think Issa Diop's not too bad to be honest, given some of the players he has to play with. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Fredericks at right back. Good lord, awful. Um, but yeah, I I I think they'll scrape it. But I, yeah. I don't think it'll be a season of promise for West Ham. Yeah, I think the reason the 17th is they've got, like, I mean, there's ter- it's turmoil on and off the pitch there at West Ham. Like, it, it just, everything about it screams bad, the whole Grady deal. Um, and you can sort of see why they're upset. How, that being said, um, the money is apparently going to try and bid for Tarkovsky, who's made it clear he doesn't want to go to West Ham, so it seems a bit daft anyway. But <laughs> they've got real problems defensively. They Frankly, they were they looked they were woeful at times last year, and that's something they've got to fix. Um, but again, this is the only reason they're not in the bottom 
three is that I don't trust the teams below them and I trust David Moyes a little bit and they have got the quality to win games on their day. But that is the only reason they're 17th for me. Um, oh, look, it's another team I want to go down. Number 16 is Newcastle. Mike, I'm coming to you for this one because I want you to tell me why the new Firmino is going to fire Newcastle into staying in the Premier League. Well, that's interesting because I actually had them 18. So oh, I'll you had them 18. Shit. Um, I also had however, them 18th. What? Oh, where did Ryan, I put them? Ryan Fraser's got his big move to Newcastle. There's a good thing he held out for that. Um, Callum Wilson also in. So, actually, with those two signings, they are a bit better. Hendrick as well, I quite like. I'm a fan of his, mm. personally. They're just Newcastle. They're going to be down there again. Mm. So there's a good chance with those additions. They're better than some of the teams around them, to be honest. So, yeah, maybe 16th. Um, Dave, we were talking about Callum Wilson last week and about how mm. he's... He, he scores goals in, in fits. But for a team that are particularly goal-shy like Newcastle, that's, it's still a decent signing, you would say? I, yeah, to be honest, I think... Especially to I've only paid £20 million for a, a Prem striker. I, I really don't think it's a bad bit of business. Even if, like, even if it goes wrong, I don't think £20 million is horrific to have thrown away in a, on a player in this day and age. Um but the thing is, Wilson, he's inconsistent. But when you've tried to watch Muto, Joel Linton play up front, anything is an upgrade. Uh, and Dwight Gale looked good in their system at the end of last season. And Callum Wilson is much better than Dwight Gale. So I think if, if they can create, and Fraser and Wilson have an understanding anyway, um, I think they actually could get quite a few goals. Mike? Yeah, the other good thing about this transfer is that they took Villa with the other team in for him. So yeah, you're yeah. taking eight or ten goals away from Villa, which is also a big plus point for, for Newcastle. On, um, on that bombshell, Mike's confined Wilson to doing his ligaments three games into the season. <laughs> yeah, at least um, Joel Linton can step in then. So, so I've got a kind of... Uh, the thing for me with Newcastle is they've got a really strong base. Bruce is going to make them hard to beat. Um, and then they, and then the thing is, they've got an X factor in Sam Maximum, who's a really good player, and he, he sort is of quality. He, he used to be. He he came into the league. He was a bit all flash, a lot of flicks and tricks, and he was excited. But he wasn't. He didn't have the end product. After lockdown, he really started to put it together in terms of consistently providing goals and consistently providing assists. And I thought he became a really good player. Um, and when you're at the bottom of, when you're at the bottom of the table, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for. Someone who can make a difference and just a solid team. Um, but my one question for the two of you is, are you a bit worried about relying on a, Bourne, a two-thirds of a Bournemouth attack that got relegated last year? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if... I don't know, it, it's hard to say what Fraser's actually like because obviously he basically forced himself out of the club. Wilson doesn't massively come across being a huge personality which is strange because the spine of Bruce's Newcastle are people like Shelby and Lascelles who are pretty much known for just being hot-headed and and dragging everyone along so I don't know how those players could really fit the mould especially when at Bournemouth they're in an environment where whatever they do the fans are appreciative most of the time 
Uh, whereas Newcastle, they're just fans on their back. So I think it could be strange for them to adjust. From Mbappe to Hendrick. I suppose the only question left about Newcastle is if they do get relegated, will Sean Longstaff finally live up to his name? Um, moving swiftly on to a, a team that is talked about a lot on the In and Around podcast, but uh, for, for just no reason at all. It's Brighton at 15th. Um, second season here where um, they're sort of like under Potter having this new style. I actually saw them play. Chelsea in a pre-season a few weeks ago and they actually looked good um, they certainly were causing uh, Kepa problems but then again I think anything can cause Kepa problems um, why are we confident that they're going to be staying up lads I think it's going to be pretty similar to last year for Brighton to be honest they'll be kind of down there but also just about enough to get away from it they're going to they're going to be trying to build on on what was probably a pretty good first season in charge for Potter last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, improving the style. Everyone in theory should know um, all their roles a little bit better. They brought in Lalana, which will be interesting to see how he plays down there. Um, the main, the big outgoing really for them is Aaron Moy, which I yeah. think is a shame he's gone to, I think, China. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be more of the same really for Brighton, which which would be a good season, I'd say, for them. 15th would be all right. Dave, um, is it probably fair to say that Brighton's biggest addition is a player who was already on their books and Ben White? Yeah, I think I think Ben White's going to be huge. Um, obviously, he hasn't played the Prem before, but he looked he looked good enough last year where you'd think, OK, this guy can probably step up to the Prem. Mm-hmm. And when it's very hard to come across any good centre-backs... To have basically found one in your academy that's gone on loan somewhere else to a team that's won the league. Yeah. It's it's huge. Um, yeah, I think 15th is sort of with Brighton like their level, I guess. Like, they don't have the quality to, to really challenge much higher up, it feels like, unless he was able to get like 10 out of 10s every week for most of the players, which is unlikely. But they definitely have enough quality uh, as they showed, especially after the restart last year, they have enough quality and desire to to be better than the bottom. I think they're far too good to go down. Oh, kiss of death. Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. Um, Fifteen points. One last on Brighton. One last question, and then we'll move on from them. Um, so we talked last year about the changing of style the decision to go to Potter and move away and um, from what they knew um is what's success for Brighton is it just staying in the Premier League while continuing to develop this style or do you want to see for them to have a successful season do they need to improve on last year's position quite not drastically but significantly uh, to me 15th is a, is a good season for Brighton I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with that yeah, they were fifteenth yeah. last season though. And what I, yeah, what I'd look for them really is Potter to to finish around the same again, so they know that they can sort of have a bit of consistency under him, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe the season after, so like Potter's third season, look to try and better themselves significantly. Um, yeah, I mean, 
to be honest, when we rated this part of the table, I find that difficult. Personally, with mine, most of the teams from 11 to like 15 yeah. could have been any of those positions. So they could well could well come up a little bit higher. But I just think it's looking for some, um, like a bit of consistency, really, for them. Okay. Um, at 14, we've got Leeds. Um, we spoke a lot about Leeds on last week's podcast. So, um, Mike, uh, why are you confident that Leeds are going to be able to make a step up to the Premier League in a way that Fulham and West Brom aren't? Um, they, were, they were clearly the best team in, in the Championship last year. Obviously, dominated most of their games, as we said last week. Um, mm-hmm. They've brought in Rodrigo, statement signing, this Koch guy from Freiburg, who we'll see how he does. Um, I, I just think they're, they've got a style. Everyone knows their role. Bielsa's a brilliant coach who gets the best out of everyone. Um there's a good chance they're going to do better than the other teams. We, again, we could be very wrong with this one. They could be dreadful. Um, but I think they, they'll they be better at beating the teams around them than some of the other teams down there. And that'll be where they'll pick up a lot of their points. Mm, true. Um, just a, the better manager, Dave, you would say. One of the better managers in the league. Well, yeah. Uh, also, especially when you look at the, the teams at the bottom anyway. Um but yeah, Bielsa's, uh, as we said last week, uh, a manager you'd never really expect to be down in the championship. Um, I think this Leeds team, I, I can see them being a team that plays really good football. And I can see there being a few mistakes that they'll take time to iron out. And I think that's why they'll come 14th. Mm-hmm. I think if they were... Maybe if they had... Ben White, for example, uh, they may he might save them like six points or whatever. But I think I think they'll do okay. I'm just interested really because if they really start to tank it, if Bielsa actually stays, that's my biggest thing that I'm wondering about really. For the first time in recorded history, I agree 100 percent with what Dave said. <laughs> um, let's move on because um, these next two are two of the most uninteresting teams in the league. Um, oh no, not these next two. Sorry, these next. I was three. going to say, Jesus. Um, next up on our list is Sheffield United at thirteenth. Um, so that's obviously quite a drop from last season. Um, why? Are, why are Sheffield going to have a less good season? Is it just a case of them being figured out? I've, yeah, I think most teams know how to set up about them, uh, set up, set up against them. However, my fear really. They just didn't look good after the restart, and I don't know how they. I don't know how they suddenly turn it back on to how they were before. Mm. Um, I think, obviously, Wild has kept the core of the team. They've not really lost anyone. Uh, they made a couple of additions, but those players look more sort of to the future, maybe to bring in in rotation over time. Mm. I, and obviously, the core of their team proved themselves last year. But I don't think they really have like an X factor to to keep them in the the top half. And and last year their X factor was just how well coached they were, and no one really knew what to do against them. And everyone yeah. knows now. Yeah, and I tell you what, that month of Moose Mania really helped them, didn't it, Mike? Are you? That's actually wild. Isn't it? <laughs> um, are you? You're not. Why are you not worried about Sheffield United? 
Uh, well, I had them 15th. I was the most worried of all of us. About I know. Them. But you still didn't have them um, going down. But still not going down. Yeah, I just think they're, as someone's written on the on the dock here, a good solid team. That pretty much describes That'd it. That'd be me. Like, Thank you very much. Well. Pundit um, extraordinaire. <laughs> they've lost, obviously, Dean Henderson back to United. They brought in Ramsdale. It's yeah. not quite a straight swap, but Ramsdale, I'm I'm quite a, I'm quite a fan of. That's a big miss, that is. Yeah, but Henderson, yeah, obviously. Had oh my god, sorry, I just realised that they've not lost anyone. Dean Henderson's, oh, switch on, please. <laughs> I, could, I, I don't think they'll repeat that season. <laughs> no, no. Um, and yeah, like like Dave was saying, they certainly weren't as good as pre-COVID, shall we say. But I just think they're going to pick up enough points in various places that they're still a difficult out. They are still a difficult out. Um, again, it's it's at this at this point you're looking for good solid teams because there's there's not tons of them in the bottom half of the Premier League. No. Um, I was really impressed with Sheffield United last year. Um, they played such a weird style of football with overlapping centre backs, which is just feels like a fever dream. That I did think there was a at first, I thought there was an extent of people not figuring them out. And then I sort of was like, oh, no, they're just really good. They're really well coached. Um, I think there's going to be a regression because they were certainly... Most weeks last year, it felt like they were playing eights, nines out of ten. And then we sort of regressed after lockdown when all the games were in a condensed period. And this is going to be a condensed season. So I just... I think they'll probably feel the wear and tear of the Premier League a bit more this year. Um, second season syndrome is a thing. Paul Jules Wigan never finished so highly again. Remember that. Now we get on to the really boring teams. It's Roy's Crystal Palace. Um, Dave, tell me why I should be excited by Crystal Palace. Uh, they've got Eze, who yeah, that's is the, a that's really good, reason. exciting player. And you're hoping that he makes them a bit more exciting. But it doesn't matter when Roy's going to play five at the back, three holding midfielders. 1-1 one, one in a game, excellent. Bring all three, three more holding midfielders off the bench. Um I think obviously they have enough quality to to stay up. I I trust them to beat most of the teams below them. To be honest, Are um, you looked quite good last year. Zaha's not had so much transfer speculation, so maybe he'll be more sort of settled this year. Tune in next week when we talk about Zaha leaving on a big move there. Um, <laughs> um, but the fact they've kept, <laughs> sake. The, fact they've, the fact they've kept him uh, and added as a, I think will help him in attack, should be pretty decent. Um, but again, it's Crystal Palace, so it won't exactly be, you know, it won't won't get your blood flowing too much. No. Um. So Zaha, as my fantasy football knew last year, had a painful season last year. Um, however, he does get the Grealish Eden Hazard treatment of three people on you at all time, and it's much easier to load up on someone when you when you sort of only got one person to load up on. Um, I guess, Mike, my question for you is: even if Eze takes Eze easy easy group um, takes Eze. a bit of <laughs> takes a bit of a the sort of creative burden off him, um, are you still worried about their actual strikers? about scoring enough goals to it's, to win it's definitely, Yeah, it's definitely still a worry. It's going to be a lot more of the same for Palace. 
Eze will help, I think, take the burden off Zahar and a few players off him as well. Um, one good thing, I think Ayu had a pretty good year last year. Yeah, he did. He scored a couple of banging goals. If he can piece it together for a bit longer, they might have something there. Um, <laughs> the last team that relied on Jordan Ayu to score the goals was Aston Villa, and they got relegated. Hey, Palace, <laughs> relied, Palace relied on him last year, and he did a pretty sterling job. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, I think he did okay. okay. They're, they're going to be fine. They're going to be pretty much where they were last year again. More of the same. Going to be fine and boring. Speaking of fine and boring, it's Burnley. Uh, we've got them at finish. We've got them finishing eleventh. Um, I do you know. I almost can't be bothered to talk about them. Honestly, what? Yeah, Burn, Burnley will be there again. Someone, someone taught me taught me into why I should even watch a Burnley game this year, other than the two my club play against them. Uh, Sean Dyche might be funny in a press conference. There's one reason. Okay. Um, that's it. Yeah, I'm stamped. Yeah, <laughs> this is this feels very much to me like um, the sort of the Sheffield conversation of good, solid, well coached team, tough to beat. Um. I mean, I mean McNeil, a... McNeil's the standout. He's why you yeah. watch Burnley if you're going to watch Burnley, really. Did you know he wasn't in the under 21s? Yeah, I saw that. He didn't I get called it. up for the under 21s. He played every Premier League game last season. He should have been. I mean, within Yonich, he should be nominated for Young Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Over Saka. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be here for that to be honest. Just defended the Arsenal fans. Um, just because he, he plays from Burnley, he's unfashionable, but he's a bloody good player. That's he is. But, um, lads, I'm not going to waste any more time talking about Burnley other than to say that I would like Ashley Barnes to be relegated. Um, moving... Oh, Christ. Another favourite <laughs> topic on the end of the round podcast, it's Everton. Um, oh, I tell you what, Everton are having a good summer, aren't they? As they say every summer. Oh, Dave, why is they just while we've been doing this podcast? They've signed James Rodriguez, Allen's through the door. Decore should be following soon. Explain to me why why I should believe that Everton are going to have a good season. Well, firstly, tenth isn't a good season for Everton. Tenth uh, is them underachieving. Uh, uh, is yeah. it not? Maybe for their squad, no. But for Everton as a club, where they've historically been at least challenging for Europa spots, tenth is not a good a good season for them. Um, it's a it's a strange one. Hammers could be great, but again, if Tom Davis is in a pivot, who really cares? Um, if they signed a Corre, and if they, get, if they somehow get if they somehow get if they somehow get Decore, Allen, and Hammers to fit in the same midfield, it's hell of an upgrade on the midfield they had last year. Still doesn't, still doesn't really address the problems at the back. They leaked goals a lot. Calvert Lewin still really needs to actually prove if he's a good striker, really. Um, but I mean, they've definitely got the quality to to win most games against the bottom half of the table I just Everton, don't back them at all against the top half teams Everton's last uh, will go six seasons 12th 8th 8th 7th 11th 11th so they fluctuate in between that level of area between 10th that surprises and me, like 8th they're not they've, 
they've been mid, really mid-table for a while now. Um, they, Mike, me and you really are not. We're not sure about Everton while we, when we're chatting earlier today. Um, particularly defensively. Yeah, the, the defence and the goalkeeper are probably my main concern here. They, they seem to have mostly addressed the midfield if Decore and, and Alan both sign. Alan has yeah, signed. Alan's a cracking player. The uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of Pickford, as I'm sure the listeners are aware by now. I think he can chop one in it pretty regularly. Uh, Keane at the back. Coleman's all right. Digne's good, but it's surrounded by clowns. It's just not a good defence. They're, they're going to leak some goals. So, they, yeah, Calvert-Lewin, a better fire. And if not, Moise Akeem would better have a better season than he did last year, if he even gets a look in these days. So, Everton's, Everton's big hopes. There's a lot of rotation this year. There's going to it's going to there's going to have to be. So you're particularly looking for deep squads. Um, Everton in the rotated games, do you trust Gilfie Sigurdsson, Tom Davis, and that lot to do a job? If they have to rotate Coleman, they've got Mason Holgate coming in. Haven't they still got John Joe Kenny? Yeah, but Holgate will play. Uh, uh, John Joe Kenny's generally not that bad. Um, I just I don't trust their squad. They're pinning a lot of. They're pinning a lot of their hopes on James Rodriguez, whose career has been in fits and bursts the last couple of years. He's, there's a reason he's barely playing. There's a reason Bayern Munich didn't want to take him on. He's probably a good. He's probably an, a name signing. It's a bit like West Ham in terms of the signing the name. Is James Rodriguez exactly what they need right now? And uh, I put earlier on that I had them tenth solely because I've got respect for. King Carlo, but I've also got questions about whether King Carlo's right for this job. You look at these last couple of years at PSG and um, he not PSG at Real Madrid. He sort of came in and Napoli came into that team and moved it on to the next level. But I'm just not sure he can build what Everton are looking for him to build. And I, I just, I'm just it's a not very difficult sure. job up there. It is. It is very difficult. And it is. And to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sick to death of them and hope they get relegated. (laughs) Joking I am, Everton. I love you. My favourite Liverpool team. Um, Moving swiftly on to Southampton at number nine. Um, Dave, you had Southampton 12th. Mike, you had them ninth. And I had them ninth. So I'm going to start with you, Mike. Why do you think Southampton are going to have a good season? Um, I I like the manager Hassan Hootel, big fan. He's obviously turned them around from a pretty awful start last year, and they ended up finishing eleventh, which shows you what. I'd I'd imagine they'd have finished about ninth last year if they'd have had a better start. Mm. Um, the my main concern is Hoiberg is gone. He he's been a, a big player for them the last couple of years. Didn't really play after the restart though. Were they still decent yeah. then? Yeah, true, they were still decent. I mean, I, I like him. Ings, obviously, if he can repeat what he did. Adams started to get a couple of goals at the as well at the end of the season, so they've got a bit of a potential backup. Um, yeah, I just like I like the way they play, and I think they're going to do decent things this year. Surprise yeah. a few people, hopefully. I think I think they're going to be really good. I like them, like you said, I like the manager. Um, I think James Ward-Prowse is slowly turning into a bit of a shit house star and. 
His yeah. deliver- delivery is still some of the best in the league. Um, that being said, Dave, you were slightly lower on Southampton. Why? Yeah, I, as much as I love Danny Ings, I don't think anyone's expecting him to be quite as clinical next season. That is um, I'd still really like to have seen them replace Hoiberg uh, because their squad's not massively thick as it is. So if don't know why I said thick them deep deep squad deep squad yeah, yeah deep, deep, deep works deep. just deep, just deep it's, now. <laughs> God, that's been a shocker today. Um, <laughs> it's not massively deep squad, so if they get an injury in midfield. I don't really know who they're bringing in. And they just loaned out Reed and Lamina, or sold Reed and loaned Lamina to Fulham. So that's two sentiments gone who could have been rotated. Um, I just, I think that Adams started to look okay towards the end of last year. Him and Ings had a nice partnership. I just don't think they're going to be as clinical. Mm. Uh, and I think 12 still a pretty good finish, really, for Southampton. Um, but I mean, we put them nine, and they've got the best number nine in the league, so I'm happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> what a ludicrous claim! What a like ludicrous it. claim! Speaking of slightly ludicrous claims, Leicester, who last year comfortably third for most of the season, only to let it slip after a horror post-Christmas run of form, we've got them eighth. Um, Dave, again, why are you expecting a decline from Leicester? Well, a decline, you can point probably to one player. Jamie Vardy, is he going to be able to do it turning 34? I'm really not sure. And he got them a lot of points last year. Um, They weren't great. The thing is, they weren't great for a long period of last season. Again, a bit what I was saying with Sheffield United. I don't know how these teams could suddenly go back to how they were before, because it's not really a blip. Like it was like fifteen, arguably less than maybe twenty games where they just weren't at their best. Um, ben Chilwell could be quite a big loss for them as well. Oh yeah, uh, Castagna, who they've signed, to be honest, I, I quite like, but I don't know if he's gonna be on the level of Ben Chilwell. Uh, it could have had Emerson. We'd have given him extra twenty million if they'd taken him. <laughs> Um, yeah, and even even like Madison, as good as he had a good season as a whole, it was mainly only the first half of the season. So pretty much the whole team showed they were inconsistent last year. Um, I don't see them having such a good start again. So they're not on a fall from third to eighth if they start well. Probably just be around six Mark, to eight for most of the season, I would think. Mark, are you worried about Leicester? Uh, yes. Again, they went, they went for a pretty dark spell um, coming on to the end of that season. <laughs> I feel I feel like I was in like a a, a documentary when I started talking about like someone who just started using meth because you turned to the camera and you were like a dark spell. <laughs> I wish people could have seen. <laughs> oh boy! Well, luckily the video is recorded, so. Maybe one, one day. Um, yeah, my main concern here is the they've qualified obviously for the Europa League, so the squad's yes. going to be under a, a lot of extra pressure in an already condensed season. Um, so we'll have to see how Rogers and the squad cope with that, the rotation that comes with 
the Thursday night, Sunday night grind. Uh, yeah. And I think I think they're going to run into a lot of problems, to be honest. I, yeah. they, they may well finish lower than eight. Yeah, I don't think they've got a very thick squad at all. So, um, <laughs> um, speaking of people, I also think of crackers. People have also got a real issue with their squad size, and that's Wolves. We've got Wolves as finishing seventh, which I think would be the third consecutive seventh place finish for Wolves, would it be? Let me just double check. I think I might go that wrong. I'm happy to claim it. Oh, Um, last season seventh. Come on, boys! Yes, there we go. Right, Mike, talk to me about Wolves. Yeah, again, big fan of Nuno and uh, the squad that he's built down there. Um, they're going to miss Doherty Dave's favourite left back, right back It's a strange one, I can't believe they've let him go Yeah, I'm a bit I can't uh, read into it It was a decent fee though But anyway um, They've kept him in there, which is huge It's a decent fee for who? Spurs wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, 15 But Are you saying it was a good fee for Spurs or for Wolves? No, it was more of a good fee for Spurs, definitely. But it was someone. Oh, they can, God. They can, oh, they can buy someone with that. You can get, you can get nearly three Joel. You can get nearly three Doherty's for one Joel Linton. Like this is the new measure of a transfer. Probably score about the same amount of goals in a season. <laughs> Bit harsh on Doherty, though, mate. <laughs> Joel Linton's not scoring; he's a facilitator. Um. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Yeah, again, they're gonna, they they managed to balance Europa League football last season, so they've got a bit more experience doing it than Leicester, despite, as Will mentioned, having quite a small squad. I, I, I don't know how they do it down there or what they're feeding them, but it seems to work. It's pretty much the same 11 all year. Dave, um, rumours that Nuno's not particularly happy. I'm yeah, not, I'm not convinced. Me and you are Doherty fans. Although I've never played at left back, um, we're not. I'm not particularly convinced by this summer business. This lad who they've signed for 35 million, if it comes off, is going to be a signing of ridiculous proportions. But there's a big if there, and it's a lot of money for a club like Wolves, who are still establishing themselves in the league. Um, I'm worried that, but I'm not worried enough to have them finishing below seventh. How worried are you about Wolves? Um, I saw some stuff earlier in the week. Earlier in the week, it's Monday. Uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> you, you God, I've really put in a performance today. We'd have let you get away with that one. <laughs> yeah, because it's, uh, so it's released week. on a Thursday, Dave. Remember, so they oh, know well, no, now. You um, just pulled the curtain well back. So, so earlier last week, I saw that allegedly Nuno's unhappy unhappy with the Doherty transfer because he sees him as an important player. Apparently Jimenez and Ruben Neves didn't react well to it either, which is interesting. They're two key players. Um, also, the squad rotation, I think the fact that they've not really had much of a gap in between seasons as a whole, uh, you know, they're one of those teams where one key player gets injured. You can't really see anyone coming in to replace them. Like if Adama gets injured, who, who's who, who are they putting out instead? Like, good point. But having said that, when they play, they're they're brilliant, really, how they're set up. So I still back them to to replicate finishing seventh. Mm-hmm. Right, 
so we're going to take the next two almost as one. At sixth, we've got Arsenal. And at fifth, we've got Spurs. Now, when I sat down to do this, the hardest choice for me. This is the hardest choice for me in terms of um, which one went where. And yeah. it, seemed, it seemed, the question to me seemed youth versus experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dave, Dave, me and you had Spurs, Spurs then Arsenal. Mike, you had Arsenal then Spurs. Dave, make the case for Spurs being above Arsenal. Uh, I think, I think most of their teams like more established in in the league. Uh, obviously, well, yeah. If we're going to lump them together as one, obviously Arsenal have good players, but some of them are still quite raw and quite young. Tottenham mm-hmm. don't really have. If he's somehow, if he's going to end up playing maybe Tanganga, but even then he did play a bit last year. Um, most of the team are players like Ali Kane. Even players that have come in like Bergwijn, yes, he's not been in the Prem long, but he's managed to rack up quite a lot, lot of experience elsewhere already for his age. Uh, Son, Son's obviously pretty good as much as uh, Will stated his hate for him on this podcast. Dirty player. Um, I just, I just think when it comes down to it, those players in that Tottenham team are probably going to pull you some more points than Arsenal because they won't have the perhaps lack of experience in the team that could cost them a few points here and there. And that's probably all it will take to separate these these two. Just a couple of points. Mike, why have you got Arsenal as being above Spurs? Uh, I'm, I'm on the Arteta train. Oh, I knew it would be this. I, I, I knew he was going to say the Arteta train as well. I didn't even have to wait for him to say it. The Arteta ass press, I don't know. Just get on with it. I'm, Tell me why I should care. Uh, well, we've brought in some experience with William. Fucking hell. <laughs> Proven winner. Serial winner. Yeah, as Will said. It, it, so, I mean, so. he is. He's a good player. He's also the... Uh, hopefully they've fixed their defensive problems. But <laughs> I, I know there's some young players. Um, but Saliba, Gabriel, Larry, obviously Cedric's made it permanent as well. Um, sorry, Arteta... sorry there, Mike. Will was sat on his chair and was back, back to the camera. I thought we were on the voice for a second. Christ. <laughs> um, I'm just going to pick you up before I let you continue, Mike. You said they fixed their defence. I agree. First time they've had that promising. Oh, that's not what I said. I said hopefully they fixed. Hopefully they fixed defence. But I'm going to ask you the question: Are you not worried about relying on two such young players who've never played in the Premier League before at centre half? Yeah, absolutely. Are you not? Are you not taken in by the warmth of Toby Alderweireld, one-time best centre back in the league? Are you not? Thinking about perhaps that safety blanket with Jose Mourinho, cuddling Jose Mourinho in behind, going, "Come on, clean sheet, clean sheet, we'll do it this week." Uh, they're, <laughs> they're, both the, they're both over the hill. Both over the hill. What do you mean oh. both over the hill? Davison Sanchez too. Well, he was. You didn't say him. I said out. Of, oh, did you say Mourinho? Oh. <laughs> he did say. It. <laughs> I mean, he is over the hill, but there we are. Go on, then. Keep keep selling me on. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully for Arsenal, Aubameyang's going to sign a do, new deal. Everything's going to be rosy at the Emirates. They're going to concede a lot of goals. They're going to score a lot of goals. It's going to be great. Well, here's my counter to that. Tottenham are going to score a lot of goals. 
because a team with Kane, Ali, Son are always um, going to score goals. Not if they're never over the halfway line. Mm. <laughs> that is that is a man with Mourinho United PTSD speaking in that corner. Okay, okay. Harry Kane will still score goals even if he's shooting for the halfway line. Um, however, yeah, this could go either way. Yeah, oh, it, I like I like Arsenal. Really joking apart, these these two are really close. Um, I do I feel I mean we're going to get into this and be proven totally wrong, but I do feel like there's a there's a sustained gap between three and four and five and six. And then I think there's a sustained gap between three and four and one and two again. But fourth, Manchester United. We've all got Man United as finishing fourth. Mike, take it away. Yeah, um, I just I think really they're competing with Chelsea for third, in, in my opinion. And uh, Chelsea have Chelsea's additions are far better than United's this summer. Um. We've we brought in a Gala on loan and Van der Beek, obviously permanent. I've, we spoke about that last week. I, I do like that addition. And they've managed to get rid of Alexis Sanchez, which is nice after his comments over the last week or so. Yeah. <laughs> That's lovely. Um, yeah, picking up a lot of results at the end of last season, obviously, to get ourselves to third. But a big reliance on Fernandez, Pogba, well, uh, Rashford, Greenwood, Martial. And we were starting to look very tired coming towards the end of the season. Europa League, rubbish. Solskjaer, the super sub, doesn't like making subs because <laughs> he doesn't trust anyone on the bench apart from Mata. So that's good. Yeah, I think they're better than Arsenal and Spurs, but not better than Chelsea. That's, that's my assessment. Key problem for United is depth, in my yeah. eyes. That's why when people are like... My, I was talking to my dad about the Van der Beek transfer. And my dad, whose only experience of Ajax was the two times they played Chelsea last season, was going, well, he, can't play in a, he can't play in a three in midfield with Fernandez and Pogba. And I was like, Dad, Dad, that's not what they fought him for. They played a lot of games last year. And by the end of it, they looked knackered United. They looked knackered in the FA Cup semi-final. They looked knackered as they limped over the line to finish third. That being said... They still, on their day, can beat anyone in the league. They've got a really, really good potent attacking force. You expect mm. to see a leap again from Greenwood, provided he's not been um, <laughs> too naughty. Um, that being said, while Van der Beek replaces the rotation pieces of those Pogba and Fernandez in the middle, they're really light up front. Really light. You're, I mean, Igala's a good player, but in terms of people you trust, you've really only got three. And in a condensed season, that's a real, that's a real bugbear. Dave? Yeah, I think, obviously, United proved last season, that, especially towards the end, that they have got that quality there when they're on the day. Van der Beek, I think, is a good signing. Uh, but, yeah, it comes down to rotation uh, for me. And also, there's still some question marks about the defence. Mm. Um, as much as I'm a, a pretty big fan of Brandon Williams, he did have some shocking games at the end of last year. So they're much worse with Brandon Williams because they really do lack width on that side. I feel Luke Shaw gets hard done by. I can't really remember him having like an absolute nightmare, but everyone talks like he does. Well, they're linked with Regulon, which is an interesting one. Um, if I were them, I'd certainly look, think to myself, well, I need a left back over the over the line. Um, the Sancho deal changes all this. If they get Sancho, they yeah. can they can go from anywhere from second. 
to I don't think they can win it, but I think it go over no. from second to fourth because he's a real talent. Like a uh, we're going to talk about talents in a minute, but he's he's what you would say a generational talent is. Yeah. Yep, just get it done. Get Please. it, get it done. Um, Mike, do you need to go? Yes, I'm going to leave. Okay. You three, you two. You three. To get the last. I'm, I meant the last three teams. Then. Yeah. That's what I meant. Okay. I didn't say it, but that is what I meant. Yeah. Because Dave, let me tell you now. Number three is Chelsea, and uh, the Russian Revolution's back, baby. And we're just going to sit here with some. See you later, Mark. With some background music. For a bit. It's, I knew this was coming. I tell you what, the Russian Revolution is kicking off again, baby. For the first, this is, let me tell you now, every time I look at my phone, Chelsea have signed someone new. And you want to talk about windows of pure intent. Um, This is probably the biggest one the club's had since 2004 when they brought in Ferreira, Carvalho, um, Drogba. Not just in terms of expenditure, because they've spent big, but these the differences the people they're bringing in are names of, you would say, people who are, performing at high levels in the Champions yeah. League or like that. So it's just quickly rattled off some names for you. Uh, the two problems for Chelsea last year were they weren't they had the third best attack in the league, but they weren't clinical enough at taking their chances. They should have scored 12 more goals than they should have called to XG. And they conceded 12 more goals than they should have because of the keeper and the defence. So Inverna was sensational last year, scored all the goals in the world. Um, he's... Already, already in a tin of friendly, but he's hit the ground running in terms of putting aside a nice finish. Um, that's promising. Chelsea need a consistent clinical goal scorer. Um, and he looks like he's going to give Prant Lampard plenty of flexibility. Ziyech as well looks like he's going to be really useful against low blocks. He's going to be really nice and creative. Silva brings much needed experience and leadership to that back line. Uh, if they get this Mendy lad over the over the line, we don't have to see Kepper for a while. I mean, they will compete, but if he can just catch a football, that'll be like 20,000% better. Ben Shilwell fixes a real problem position at left back. And then you've got Kai Havertz, which is the biggest transfer I think they've since they bought Hazard. It feels like that level of a generational player mm-hmm. being signed by a club. Now, I'm biased, Dave, but why should, all, why should Chelsea be fans be excited about next year well well you're not you're not gonna believe this i i actually have them down to finish second so <laughs> no, well when we get on to liverpool i explain why they're finishing third yeah okay. okay but anyway we'll stick to chelsea being third for now um i think literally all of the problems that that chelsea fans have been talking about for the last couple of seasons i know you've had many a. Uh, Many screams, maybe even cries at Marcus Alonso and Emerson at left back. Marcus Alonso and Emerson, they're the best players I've ever seen. Someone please buy them. Yeah, that, that's that been addressed. Um, Werner and Havertz and Ziyech, all three of them just massively exciting signings. Mm. Um, that, my only worry is how, how does it even rotate all these players? Um, because as like Mount and Abraham, I feel would be a little hard done by to just become solely bench players. Uh, obviously, you still got Pulisic, who was great last year. He was um, a star last year. So I'm I'm just excited. Um, I I really think this Chelsea team, as you say, it's a window of intent. 
give a season a couple of give this team a couple of seasons, and if it if it works, I think they could be real real title challengers. So it's a three Lampard when he was selling it, and the move to Werner said three year plan. This year we're making the top four. That was last year. Uh, the next year we're just we want to see market improvement in terms of closing the gap, and then the third year yeah. we're going to win the title. That's lofty plans. Um, Chelsea really struggled last year against teams that sat deep. Um, a big thing. Uh, this is why I'm so pleased when Havertz and Ziyech. The second part of why it's so impressive is they're left-footed. Mm. And if you've got right-footed and left-footed players on the pitch, you've got different angles open up all over the pitch, different chances. And Ziyech is creative in the extreme, which really, really will help. Um, everyone who talks about Chelsea, Dave, this season talks about how exciting they are going to be going forward. And I think everyone will play and I think everyone will be, probably play well up there. There is still severe worries defensively. Yeah. Centre-backs, um, it's a bit of a strange one, really. I feel, I like Zuma, to be honest. Um, I like Zuma too. I think he's a good player. But I think the problem is with like Rudiger and Christiansen, they can be really good, but they can also genuinely drop like two out of tens. And it's not even like a one-off. Like That will probably happen a couple of times a season, which not only at the level of the Premier League as a whole, but at a team that's wanting to become a, a title-challenging team and push on, hmm. you really you really can't afford any any games like that. You can't afford anyone to be putting in a a poor performance really uh i like ampadu but i think he's way too young to he's be got throwing a leg. in oh, has he? sheffield united he's sheffield united yeah it's a good signing for them oh, I, I, jesus i didn't even realize oh yeah happened, uh, happened while we we're on the podcast day oh, right <laughs> well i mean that is exciting uh because you'd think that after that loan spell as long as it's all all rosy he'll be in the chelsea team Malang Sar, of course, uh, could solve the problem. Going to Leipzig. He's going to Leipzig. Going to Leverkusen. Sorry, Will. Uh, Is there any centre-backs that I haven't (laughs) named other than Thiago Silva not actually going out on loan? No, it's okay. (laughs) Um, Because Thiago Silva could give you that experience uh, that I think could definitely work in a transition season. And if that's Lampard's plan... uh, He's obviously like even in the Champions League final, he was he was pretty impressive defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously putting him next to Zuma or Rudiger or whoever, they're Tomori. going to learn off. Of... Oh my God, have I forgotten Tamori? Dear God, can we? Uh, this is my, my. I like Tamori also. My plea for next season at Chelsea is for Tamori to. Tamori and Zuma was our best partnership the entire season. Um, defensively, if Kante can stay fit. That's going to be massive because he was Lampard's best player last year and he didn't play half the year. So, so at second, we've got Liverpool. Mm. Uh, me and Mike both had Liverpool at number two. Um, you had them at number three. It, yeah. I thought about... There's this part of me that was like, you can't say a t- you can't de-crown a team until they've lost the title. Do you know what I mean? You can't say, mm. I'm expecting you to be much worse until I've actually seen it. But that being said, I just I'm expecting a dip from Liverpool this year, and you were obviously much lower on them. Why? Yeah, 
Um, I think what it really comes down to for me is their total lack of business so far in the transfer window. They already had a very thin squad, um, which, you know, maybe you can ride your luck with it. However, they've also let a couple of players go. Like, as much as you dislike Lovren, and I understand why Liverpool players... Liverpool players I doubt the players hated him the fans hated him he does make, he did make mistakes but at the end of the day you'd rather put someone like Lovren in than like an 18 or 19 year old and currently a couple of injuries at the back if for any reason Matip's not free you are literally putting in either Vandenberg or Hoover or Nathan Phillips if he doesn't go out on loan again and he's only had like less than 30 appearances in the German, German Bundesliga team. So he's not it's not exactly set the world alight on loan spells. Um, I, th- I also think their front three is a huge worry in terms of someone gets injured yeah, who the hell comes a- into a place. Because as much as Origi's had a couple of games to them where he has been brilliant, he's not a player that's going to do that for you many games He's not He's certainly not in the run of games. Not, not a player you want to. Re- you can rely on him for uh, a game here and there, but not a player you can rely on for ten games in a row. Say Firmino uh, pulls his hammy or something like that, like severely pulls it. You can, and he's down for a while. That's a, like that's a real worry. Um, however, the same with sorry, the same with Shakiri as well. I don't think he's. You know, if Salah gets injured, Shakiri on the right, nowhere near the player that the Salah is. Yeah, all those worries are there. That being said, um, that front three is still as potent as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Salah and Mane, two absolutely superb talents. Um, still got the same really strong spine. Still got the best centre-half in the league. Still got the best goalkeeper in the league. Still got the best right and left-back in the league. Still lots there. I think the only reason I have them losing, I don't have them winning, is... This is going to be the season of rotation. It's going to be the season yeah. of squad depth. And I think Man City have just got a far thicker, deeper squad than Liverpool do. That's, that's, that's where my real fears come from, from Liverpool. Um, yeah, I think rotation is going to be so, so key for all teams this year. Um and I just I just worry for them really, especially if they don't sign anyone. They are literally just an injury in most positions away from disaster breeding. Yeah. Um so we move on to the final one. We all predicted Man City to win the league. Um mm-hmm. that being said, Dave, I've still got worries about Man City. For I example, also do have some worries. I mean Long-time listeners of the pod will have heard me banging on about Man City's inability to defend in the transition for for weeks and months now. Um, they've signed Nathan Ake, yeah. who, and what you would say is they're going to have a bit more cover at centre-half now. So, Fernandinho, you'd imagine, will probably be allowed to play back in centre-mid. And you would expect that naturally. He's so much better than Rodri at defending and the transition and making those little tactical fouls. Um, but he's getting old. Um, yeah, he's, and what, 35 now, Fernandinho? Yeah, you can't expect him to do what he did. Um, you can't 
expect unless so unless you get an elite from Rodri, you're still going to face those same problems that you face constantly. I do think Ake is a smart signing, yeah. both as cover and also as a left back in big games because he can. Let's not forget he came up as a defensive midfielder, so he can he can play he can cut inside into the in space where Pep likes his fullbacks to play. So that's fine, but I don't know, Dave. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm picking them, but I don't feel great about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I sort of feel it too, really. I'm, I feel Liverpool, Man City. The thing is, well, I thought about it as well. If Chelsea really hit the ground running... Oh, get I, I, no, I can get see them up there. I can see them up there. I'm not even joking. I'm not joking, Well, Because Man City, last year we saw how inconsistent they can be. Like they would go and play someone and be absolutely brilliant, and then the next game be nothing like the team we know. You've literally just described last year's Chelsea. Yeah, but Chelsea have improved to their team massively. But is is Man City not improving their team massively just by the benefit of having Laporte fit for the whole season? No, I, I was going to say Laporte's being fit will be like a new season. I think he was the missing piece of the puzzle for them last year. Because, yeah, I know Sané was injured, but I've felt that Mahrez came in and did very well. So it's not like they didn't have anyone else performing on the wing. I know, obviously, Sané's gone now. Um, I, think, I think City's thing comes down to maybe if Aguero stays fit, because I still really don't back Jesus to finish yeah. as, much chan- as many chances as he should. Like, he, I think last year he scored 16 or 17 Realistically, he probably should have scored at least 25 of the chances he missed. Yeah. By XG, he should have scored the most goals last year with like 23 or something. Uh, Ferran Torres or Ferran Torres? Ferrando Torres, as I'm calling him. He he could be a good signing. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like a replacement for Sane, probably. My worry for them really is fullbacks. Like, don't know who I... Like, you can't trust Mandy. Sinchenko's not really good enough there. So you think Ake will play a lot then? Huh? You think Ake will play a lot then? Maybe a left back? I'd expect him to play quite a lot, especially if he ends up being drafted into playing left back. Um, But no, I still think the City team... Most of their failure last year was down to injuries and having defence they couldn't rely on. I think having Laporte back puts them, for me, as being that top, top team again. But maybe I just don't want Liverpool to go back-to-back, Will, so maybe that's why I'm so so against the idea of it. Trust me, Dave, I don't think anyone does. And that'll do it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we had a few technical issues with the pod, so slightly different outro for you. Um, you can follow Dave on Twitter at DaveHarris underscore 44 or at DaveHarris44. Just just go and have a look, see which Dave's which. If I, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, because you won't have seen Dave, most of you. So um, if you want to know how, if you've got the right Dave Harris, um, if it's a moronic tweet, just assume it's him. Um, you can follow Mike at Mikey Breslin, and you can follow me at Wilhunt17. Um, if you've got any questions for the podcast, please either send them to us on all the socials at In and Around Pod or email us at In and Around Pod at 
gmail.com. Yeah, in and around pod at gmail.com. Always want to put an at in front. Uh, it's just bizarre. Um, also, tomorrow, which will be Friday, um, if you've listened to this later, it will already happened. We're going to have another uh, pod on this feed. Um, just explaining something new and exciting that we're doing ahead of the new season but it'll be all over our socials as well so hopefully you'll catch it there um we're really excited about it but we'll explain more so until then um goodbye